Hi, Doug. Hey there, Karen. How's it going? It's going. It's going. I feel like that you was like that the very, longest lead very cryptically. What's that? I know. I know. I feel like that was like the longest lead in. Like I was like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for that red button to be like starting recording. And <laughs> yeah, because we said we were ready and didn't hear yeah. anything, and I it didn't say Karen is recording the call. So I thought, uh oh. And I always think it's my fault. It typically is. So I was like, in those few seconds, I was just like, oh crap, I did something wrong again. Which no, is, you, you know, my baseline fine. for life. You were <laughs> you were fine. Well good. So here we are. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us again on our journey through Melrose. So we're getting towards the end here. We're at We are right up against four. Yeah. Episode 31, Secrets and Lies and More Lies. So I thought it was episode 32. I, oh, we're there's 31. I'm looking at the wrong. There's between the Hulu way and the Wikipedia yeah, way. Yeah, there's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the wrong way. So we're, I'm sorry, we're on 32. Yes. So, so episode 33 is next week and that is the two part finale. So that's, we are, we are building everything straight up to the finale. So um, now. Remind me again. So we've got a two-hour finale for next week. When this originally aired, was it in two hours or did they split it up into two different weeks? It was in two hours. It was in the two hours. It was block. a one-hour block from like 8 to 10 p.m. Okay. Typically, I... the, typically the two-hour, two-part ones that you see in what would have been syndication but is now on streaming, um, I think they all aired in one fell swoop at, at night as like a big primetime event. Gotcha. So here we go. So yeah, so this was, um, for the most part, a very good episode, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to make sure that I reiterate a couple things that Alyssa found hilarious. Um, overall, it's not a hilarious episode, but there are a lot of Melrosean touches that made us laugh out loud. But I have this thing where, as a like story structure TV watcher, I love the penultimate episode of any season because I feel like that's when the writers really wave their flag as as to like this is where we've been trying to go all along and because we're about to dive into like point z of where the season should have been going all along we're going to start throwing the stuff that shows you what our intent has been we may not have been able to show it to you all along but we're going to do some stuff now sometimes the setup in fact is more exciting than the end result um but that happens a lot going back to the 90s i think with um like network tv the practice la law shows mm-hmm. like that buffy the vampire slayer like had some killer second to last episodes every season i'm not saying this is a killer anything it's not but <laughs> the 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 strings became even more apparent i feel than they had been before and that sometimes means a few characters get short shrift uh that too might be some of which for the better and some of which for the worse um but i I do know we have two storylines that we can get out of the way right quick yeah well i I mean i will say one one of the things that i found sort of like a little bit jarring in this episode that there were a couple of storylines that we've been building towards and all of a sudden it was like they slammed them down in this episode yeah Weird is that I feel like going back four, five, six episodes, we really saw all of these final storylines kick into a higher gear. They could have been more nimble about setup along the way, but no, they're they're really unsubtle now about making sure we get where they're going because they have to get there 
Real yeah, fun. it was. It felt like this sort of like, oh shit, we only have one episode left. <laughs> you know, moment like we got to do this. We got to do this now. You know, so <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I mean, I guess we begin with Matt and Chelsea because, like, <laughs> there. I, I mean, the the storyline is going to wrap up by the end of the season. Is that where we're going here? Because yeah. it feels like it's not. This is one of the episodes where I feel like we've actually taken a walk backwards. Yeah, I would say this week and last week, whatever they were kind of building up has has definitely calmed down, but not gone away, which is a flaw. But yeah. yeah um, so it's basically like Matt and Chelsea having breakfast talking about how they kind of like each other. Yeah, like that whatever is to come with her mom wanting custody, uh, they enjoy each other. And he's... He really likes taking care of her, and she, despite her initial brattiness, has really liked him. Yeah, and so, so yeah, we start in the we yeah. start in the kitchen, and Matt is like pouring orange juice. Remember the orange juice because that will come back. Um, uh, and and like brings it over to Chelsea, and they have a really nice moment, just like sitting across the, his little breakfast nook from each other. And then yeah. she gets up, and like kind of. I think she was looking away from him, right? She was at the kitchen counter again. And she gives this, like, authentic thank you for, like, what he's been like. And I don't know. There's something awkward about the way Katie Wright delivers this because she's trying to sound tentative. Like, I know my mom is trying to do this horrible thing that you're not fully aware of. And I really do like you. And I'm sorry that it can't be easier. But she speaks in a very halting rate. And she kind of sounds like Nell, if you remember the Jodie Foster movie. Oh, my God. Um, didn't really sound like a normal human. Uh, there, was, there, there was that. But, yeah, the yeah. idea is that, like, Matt and Chelsea like each other, and neither of them is the problem here. Right. But, I mean, you know, I kind of felt like, okay, so I'm going to make a guess where I think this storyline is going. Um. Okay, and I won't. I won't tell you yes or no, but I want to hear. She by season finale, Chelsea takes off to Paris with her mom. Her mom kidnaps her. Okay, you may be right, but you may be wrong. I'm not saying anything. I mean, it's like kidnaps in quotes because Chelsea goes willingly. Yeah, you know, but it just sort of like that felt like the setup. Like you know, Chelsea's sort of looking a little forlorn and feeling a little like uneasy, but saying, "Hey, Uncle Matt, like." thanks for being there for me. And I really do like you. um, And I know you want what's best for me, you know? And and so it just kind of felt like a a goodbye. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. And what else can they do at this point with this storyline? I'm sitting here nodding. You, of course, can't see that. Um, But I'm nodding because I think that is uh, an excellent projection. But I'm not confirming or denying anything. Okay, so which now? Which one are we gonna? Oh, we're doing Jake and Allison now. Oh yeah. You know, and I didn't <sighs> see it at the time how much or how little anyone involved in the show seems to care about the storyline <laughs> and how how short shrift it is getting. I see it more now than I did 24 years ago. Yeah, I thought it was getting a bit more equal time. It is no, this is you know. Continues to be the the, the bastard child storyline of the uh, of the show. And funny you should say that. And funny indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Funny.
funny you should say that because the bastard child is in this episode. Um, yeah, the return of the prodigal bastard child. Yes. Um, so he shows up. This was weird. This whole sort of like point of this, and I understand why they wedged it in here, but this was weird. So um, Jake's ex-girlfriend, Colleen, the mother right, of his child, the mother yeah. of his child, shows up once again on Melrose Place with David on his doorstep. On his so, doorstep again, doesn't show up in L.A. and calls him. Comes directly to his doorstep at Melrose Place on the next. <laughs> Again. They didn't really have cell phones back then, so what could you do, right? Well, if they're staying at a hotel. Yeah, but remember how expensive it was to call from a hotel? It would always cost so much money. That's true. <laughs> you need to find and a it's not, it's not really clear what her job situation or line of work truly is, okay. either. So now that there's, like, this weird thing where it's, like, the kid just comes out and says, Dad left us. And remember the, the, the dad that we've never met, the husband that we've never met, that uh, the kid and this mm -hmm. father have a contentious relationship or whatever. And so I guess dad left them, and so they're moving to Hawaii. I did not understand this. Yeah, it's one thing if it's dad's job is transferring us. We want to say goodbye before we move with him. No, it is we who are now getting divorced from dad and have no connection to Hawaii are moving ASAP to Hawaii. But we have three days in L.A., so we're here to uh, intrude upon your lives and go. Right. And but, so she's sort of like, I figured you want to spend some time with your son before I whisk him away to, you know, this island in the middle of the Pacific. Right. So the thing is, right before they show up, Jake and Allison are about to have a talk. Of, she doesn't really seem on board, again, with Jake's dream of buying the Ojai Grill and moving out there. Um, and it looks like she's saying something about, are you sure you really want to do this with me or whatever? And he says, what about our dream? And it looks like they're about to get to the thing she heard last week where he said he is settling to mm. stay with her. Um, that's right. and that's when Colleen knocks on the door. So that conversation never happens. Right. And Jake ends up spending a lot of time with David so, so Allison is largely left to retreat into her own mind and resort to her own devices. <sighs> Which is never a good idea when there's orange juice involved. Right. So it's the return of the orange juice. At one With point, I mean, it doesn't even sound like Jake and Allison are communicating. She has <laughs> gone out to the store in the morning to get some food for breakfast. And Jake is like, oh, I'm going with David to the zoo right now. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, I'll just stay here. Have fun. And then she goes into the kitchen uh, and takes the grocery bag, um, pours herself some OJ in a glass, and follows it up with some vodka in that same glass for another one of her trademark screwdrivers, which is at least one mark of continuity for Allison on the show. OJ. For anyone, for anyone on the show. OJ with a chaser of vodka. So she's drunk again. Yes. She is a um, drinking, and now it's not just wine, and it's not just beer, and it's not just celebratory tequila shots with Jake. She's drinking vodka alone again. We're back to the vodka. Right. But she's not going to be alone for long. 
No, she pays a visit to someone. Yeah, she ties one on and stumbles to the hotel where um, David and Colleen are staying. Um, and, of course, David and Jake are out together, so Colleen's alone. And then she, like, basically confronts her. And it was, like, the weirdest confrontation ever. It is, because... The confrontation could have gone a very different way. It could have been more accusatory. And it's not. It's like a, it's almost like a monologue for Allison to have in front of Colleen. Yeah. And and it's sort of like, you know, and then Allison kind of like pushes her to sort of like, did you want to break up with Jake? Tell me you didn't. And Colleen is like, well, no, but he's in love with you. He's married to you. And, you know, and then and then it's just and then. And I don't know, like, Colleen was being great. And she was like, no, he loves you. You love him. You're a couple. Like, it's all good. I'm going to Hawaii. Like, everything's cool. And Allison is just, like, sad, drunk Allison. And she's like, don't go to Hawaii. And she, like, Yeah, because Colleen out says something like, no, you and Jake are married, and I accept that. And she's like, don't accept anything. Yeah. With, like, <laughs> with, like stumbling, slurred, drunk speak. So, and, she, oh, and she goes, things change. Yeah. So are we killing Allison off at this point? I will not say yes or no, but we're not killing Allison off. Damn. Whatever happens next week, we're not killing Allison off. Damn. I thought for sure Sorry, Allison, Allison was going to get killed off. I... Um, no, that's not that's not quite where they they take it. Uh, I will say when I watched it first time around, I was like loving the drunk Allison scene. And um, I'm I'm less amused by it now. Oh God, I thought it was. And terrible. also, like, I really just want to know: Did she drive all the way over there, or did she take a cab? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Maybe she walked. I don't know. I was like, is the hotel in walking distance? Like, that's I mean, why I was like, they're gonna kill her off. Dressed for like walking attire, but I mean, who knows? I don't know what they wear in LA in '97 to walk around. Fair point. I, I don't mean, know so what they in '97 to walk around. <laughs> So yeah, I, I kind of I kind of hated this. And like when she staggered out, the reason why I was like, oh, she dead. They're killing her off. Cause I figured like they would just like that, you know, tie it up in a bow with a drunk driving accident. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they were good, like they can do that. Yeah. That would be easy enough. So there's one other thing, which is, and it's part of like the push-pull that I find more frustrating now than I did than watching Allison, which is Okay, when is she pissed off and when is she not? Because there's a point where she's watching Jake play in the pool with mm -hmm. David and she's genuinely happy to see Jake with his son. Yeah. And then David calls Jake dad and Allison sees that and winces and isn't the same anymore. And it's like, well, is that really the turning point? And is that really like the bridge too far with everything that you both have going on as a couple with histories? Like, I can understand being set off from the moment Colleen comes back with David. I might not agree with it, but I could understand that. But this is, like, there are, there's, like, a back and forth that's not fully explored there. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, I mean, I almost feel like they should have gone, I mean, you know, I'm just going to, like, rewrite the whole storyline. Like, I almost feel like they should have gone, like, this other, like, road with her where like she becomes completely obsessed about having about being a mother to David and having and then she like could like I don't know convince Jake to kidnap him. 
I like that. I, and I, at, you know what I mean? Like, like they don't like he doesn't like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go on a camping trip. And all of a sudden they've like ensconced with this kid to Ohio where nobody knows where they are because Allison like wants to be a mom so bad. And, and now so she's got like this built in family. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's Jake's son, which is what she wanted for him in the first place. She wanted for him to have his own biological child. If I was in the writer's room, that's the direction I would have gone with this. Yeah, I actually love that. And Thank I feel you. Like they have done that on every one of the soaps because it works. It does work. It does because this is just like wishy washy. It is. This and that's is just like, I love him. Perhaps I'm sad. more than like the overall end game. I think that is the most frustrating thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, there is just no there there in the storyline. There really isn't. It, I, you know, I have like completely lost interest. I like probably halfway through the season in the storyline at this point because she is nothing. I mean, it's one thing to be a tragic character. It's another thing just to be sad. And we're at the point where she's just two sad. totally different things. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Alyssa hates this storyline most of all, which is tragic to me because I'm mean, like, you hate this more than Billy and Sam, but but uh, based on everything you and I have said, I can see why one would. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is, again, like, for, for getting towards the end of the season, this doesn't feel, unlike some of the other ones, this doesn't feel any, like, any closer to being wrapped up. Like, no, it doesn't like feel like it's ending up at all. Ever. No. And, and particularly in this episode, because the next time we see Jake... Is like there is no mention of Allison, there is no mention of David, there there is no mention of Ohai, there is no mention of nothing. Allison is not with Jake. You're, it is well, you're slightly wrong there. There is a mention of Allison, but it stands alone, it pulls right out. Like it doesn't have anything to do with the momentum of the storyline because the storyline just limps along and has no momentum. Wait, so Allison was brought up? Yes. Well, we get there, I'll I'll point it out. Yeah, point it out because it was I was very just, I, it was I, don't remember that at all yeah. i don't remember that at all um okay so i feel like we've beat that one uh we can do billy and sam oh yeah where where are we with there there yeah. not close enough to the end and that's where we are i hate the storyline i so know because it requires so many people being so constantly stupid and then we still want to root for certain people but i'm like but i don't well, I don't know that I want to root for anyone at this point. Um, so I guess Billy had been at the laundromat to meet mm -hmm. the dad. What's his name? Um, Jim. And Jim. Jim. And that's when he got punched by Jim. And so now he's gone back to, um, to Sam. And Sam actually, you know, defends her dad. She's like, he didn't hit you. My dad wouldn't do that. Meanwhile, like, yeah, okay. you know, Billy's got so, like, this welt on his face. I don't know if you caught this. There's, And it's not the only instance of like garbled dialogue here, which tells me that maybe they were filming this in a hurry. Um, <laughs> Billy has come back to the apartment and just told Sam about like her dad punching him. And she's like sort of defending him. And she goes, my father's not a deacon or anything. She says, I can't figure out what the word is. Sounds like Deacon. I can't figure out what else she could be saying there. But I guess you didn't hear I it. didn't catch up. You were, like, ready to just move on from the start. Yeah, I think I was probably, like, in the kitchen getting a snack. 
because uh, like, that's kind of like what's been happening when Billy and Sam show up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's no, time no. to go pee. <laughs> I don't even pause it. <laughs> Just let it run out. <laughs> yeah, no, that is the right instinct. Yeah, so Billy tells her to snap out of it. He's trying to wake her up that her dad is crazy and obsessed with her um, and doesn't... Which also I like, don't understand. But like, the whole thing with the father being obsessed and wanting to take her? Yeah, like, what? No, because, okay, is it to punish her or because he's truly, like, Looney Tunes obsessed with her and we don't really get either? It's just so gross and it feels to me like they wanted to go into the, like, abuse storyline that they had set up with Allison and they, for whatever reason, backed off of it. And it's very... uh apropos of you to say that here because my next note is Billy keeps finding women with daddy issues because throw Brooke into that mix oh you're right I wonder if they did that on purpose Probably and if not. you even take it further when he was actually dating Amanda in season one there was a lot going on between her and her dad, and dad. And his, as well so yeah. just saying Billy has himself a type yeah, I think so. I think the writers have a uh, type for Billy, and yeah. Yeah, yeah that's probably like it, yeah. That's a bad idea. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, um, I guess moving on, Samantha actually goes to the hotel and confronts her dad. So, uh, I, how did she get away from the cop that was following her? There was a cop on them, following them. I think that cop was just there for a day, and then he gave up. I okay. Mean, none of it makes sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. And, and he's sort of like, you know, and that's when he kind of lays it on her that she's going to go with him. And, you know, he's like, you changed my life, now I'm changing yours. Or, yeah. yeah. So I guess we're supposed to believe, you know, but he's like, but I'm going to change yours for the better. You changed mine for the worse, but I'm going to change yours for the better because I'm taking you to a beach on Mexico. You know, we're going to live in Mexico on 10 grand for the rest of our lives. Yeah, we're going to live a life on the run. So, you know, life improved. And again, like, I didn't get that. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It, ma it makes absolutely no sense. She, she's the reason why he went to prison. You're going to come back and s take her, your adult daughter with you right. who doesn't want to go? Seem, it doesn't seem like he's trying to act out any sense of revenge on his daughter. It just seems like he is consumed by, by reclaiming her. Yeah. Again, this feels like one of those storylines where the writers wrote themselves into a corner and they just didn't know what to do with it. And they were like in for a penny and they just kept on going. Yeah, that, that could very well be it. It's kind of a yes and thing, but it's not really a good, uh, not really a good improv. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm kind of wondering, like, are, in the writer's room, are they like, oh, thank fuck, we only have one more episode left and then we can dump this storyline kind of like we feel when we're watching it. Yeah, they probably were. <laughs> That's the question. Um, okay, so back at the apartment... Um, Ooh, Sam, it's back to that same song and dance. Yeah, Billy and Sam, you know, oh, she saw her dad and and he's, you know, and, and, and then they have, like, this big fight about how, like, and she's like, I'm white chick and I'm not good enough. I'm white, tr yeah. white trash. Yeah, like, she's like, I'm trash and yeah. you, you, I'm not good enough for you. Yeah, my dad went to prison, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, stop. We've heard this song and dance already. And that's not, uh, far be it for me to defend Billy Campbell, but 
that's not who he is or what his problem is. The fact is, like, your dad is a criminal, and he's trying to kidnap you, and you keep making the wrong decisions, including lying to him. So that's really what it's about. Yeah, and, and you know, where the hell is the... Co- where the hell is the, their police detail? It's so weird. Um, and then all of a sudden, no conversation between them about this. All of a sudden, next scene... We're at the police precinct. No, 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 no. no they said they were going to go to the cops the next day. They did say that? I missed that, That's too. the culmination of this whole fight. They make up, and they say they're going to go to the cops the next day. And I'm like, why don't you go now? Why don't you not even wait one more night in this apartment that the father has access to? Why don't you just go to the cops now? Why do you wait any longer? But uh, they wait. I missed that. And again, then the next day, they do that. go to the cops. Yeah, because I was like, wait, when did we decide we're going to go to the cops? This is a surprise. Um, but okay, I, I missed that too. See, I'm just not paying attention to the storyline even a little bit. And then no, the cops are like mad. Right, yeah, the cops shame them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're basically like, you know, so I guess Sam is supposed to be meeting her dad like the next night or that night or something like that in some back alley. And the cops are basically like, if you're lying to us, everybody's going to jail. Yeah, they're like, either you're really stupid or you're aiding and abetting him. So we'll give this, we'll try and apprehend him at this location where you say you're going to meet him. And if it doesn't work out, then you're in trouble. And so, so what, then, do we, what do we think <laughs> is going to happen? Do we think Jim's It doesn't work out, up? guys. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this is the stupidest thing. So they're supposed to... She's meeting him, like, in the back of, like, a shopping center or something. I don't know. We've got, like, four cop cars that are, like, waiting to ambush him. And they see someone who looks like Jim Riley. And they, like, practically throw a parade trying to apprehend him. Like, they turn on every light and every siren just around the bend, around this little mall. Um, And then they get to the guy at the dumpster. And it's a guy, they're like, Jim. He goes, I'm not Jim, I'm Fred. Some man told me to wear this coat and this hat and go to the dumpster at this time. And I did it. But yeah, I'm not guilty like a of drunk. anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then the cops all start talking very loud about how, like, well, I guess the girl lied to us. His daughter made it very clear that she was supposed to meet him here. And she was throwing him under the bus to us and the camera starts pulling back so that we can see Jim is actually right there hiding under a tree and he can hear all this. So now he's probably going to be mad at Sam for trying to turn him in. But also if he was right there, even hiding under a tree with all these cops sitting and waiting for this big meetup, how did they still not see him? Right. Because they're the worst cops in history. It's not like he was in a completely different location. He was 12 feet away from where all these cops were, and they still didn't know. Right. What a mess. So that is the that is our story for Billy and Sam this week. Yeah, bye-bye, Billy and Sam. And uh, to make matters worse, there was no orange juice connected to either of them. So shame on them for not getting the memo. I know. Now they've got scurvy. <laughs> absolutely no vitamin c for you <laughs> all right so where are we going next we've got um well i actually oh, think God. we do taylor and michael and peter okay that's a good one um 
Again, guys, we are building up to the finale with all of this stuff happening. So last week was the episode where Taylor hit herself in the face with a door. Yeah, so that they could make Peter think that he was suffering from rage epilepsy. We're still right. laying the groundwork, I suppose. For that. Right. So now when we start again with their storyline, Peter wakes up. And um, the apartment is trashed and Taylor is sort of huddled in a corner of the room and immediately starts in with the don't touch me, don't touch me, Peter. A plus acting all around. Yeah. With, with, with Lisa Renna anyway, with Taylor, you know, with Taylor. And it's actually really funny because it gets really meta because it's Lisa, the actor playing a character who is actually acting because she's didn't you know she's not really she wasn't really beat up by peter acting slash lying yes yeah yeah so it was actually sort of like a super meta scene i thought and i was like give taylor an oscar she was yeah great. because i was gonna say something about how i really like whatever you think about this storyline i like this kind of taylor more than the vixen homewrecker that we've been putting mm -hmm. up for like the 30 episodes prior not that there weren't some nice moments and some good line deliveries and stuff like that but i got tired of that and i couldn't find any way to sympathize with her and at least now i'm a bit more on her team right and, and of it's, course, it's I mean, a her different story, angle that i, that I yeah. find interesting to see played out and once again, her storyline leading up to this, it was bananas about the dead sister and all, like, and how he didn't recognize yeah. her and all that shit. Like, that was just bananas. So I think that, like, now, I mean, we're still kind of, like, dealing with the aftermath of that storyline. But I kind of feel like at least she's in this relationship. <laughs> and, um, and now her problem is not getting Peter. Her problem is getting Peter to stop pretending she's the dead sister basically. And and kind of being abusive in doing so. Yes, and being psychologically abusive, not yes. necessarily. Yeah. But now we are turning that psychological abuse into physical abuse, um, faux physical abuse, so that um, Peter will knock it off, as my governor That's says. right. So he doesn't remember any of what she says having happened earlier that night, but he does believe it. Again, yeah. she puts on a good show, and he's legitimately sorry. Yeah, and he's got a busted up hand and she yeah. looks all, you know, she's got the big shiner and like, you know, there's no way he's not going to believe, like, he's going to believe this. He's absolutely going to believe this. Yeah. But I also have a problem with this in that Taylor and Michael are, are going so far beyond the pale here. It kind of absolves Peter of how conniving and bastard-like he has been in the episode's leading up to them conspiring against him. Because now Peter's not guilty of any of the things he's worried about and they're telling him he did. And we're sort of forgetting about the fact that he was no angel before this. So Peter kind of wins out sympathy-wise or, or audience siding with him a little bit, I think. Well, I, yeah, and I, I kind of wonder though, is this by design? Because, you know, this is, this. First of all, this is totally, like, on point for Michael, this sort of be conniving behavior, right? Like, he does this shit all the time. Um, and with Taylor, I kind of feel like, you know, she has now become a victim, like, and we sympathize with her. And I'm wondering, to keep her as sort of, like, in the villain role moving into the next season, don't we need to sort of change that now? 
they should be changing it. You're right. Um, I think that's part. I think that may be part of what their rationale is. Or am I giving them too much credit again? Uh, I think you probably are doing a little okay. bit too. And I'm yes. and I'm also assuming that Taylor is going to still play the role of the of the villain moving into the next season. She might not be. Yeah, I. I think that she mostly does still do that. I mean, it would be a wasted opportunity if she didn't. I mean, because Agreed. she does, you know, as much as I was sick of the, you know, the the business that was going on, it wasn't because she wasn't kind of, like, fun to watch. Right. And she is. And she is. Yeah, she is fun to watch. And so, it, you know, when she's doing that stuff, it just was the... The whole the the whole storyline was just convoluted and ridiculous. Yeah, and we're not done. No, but we are getting to. I think my favorite part of this whole crazy shenanigans is for the episode. So Peter like slinks away to go upstairs and feel guilty alone, and Taylor is still on the main floor. And in the doorway, Michael shows back yeah. up. He's been there all night waiting for Peter to wake up and respond. And he just, like, looks in with this big, goofy grin and then gives a big thumbs up. Like, it's something out of Memento's ad. I loved that moment. I love that moment. Thank you for reminding me of that. Because it was one of those that I was like, oh, I've got to remember to bring that up with Doug. Because that was it's the highlight of the episode. <laughs> They just have Michael with the shit-eating grin and the big thumbs up at Taylor, yeah, and she's yeah. just kind of like, yeah, yeah, because she doesn't like this. She she doesn't like this what she's doing to Peter. She really doesn't. And she's also hopeful that this is it. This is a one-time thing that can get her Peter back to her. Right. And Michael has other plans, as we're going to find out. Right. But so meanwhile, Megan is you know, kind of tired of the fact that Michael's not home with her before midnight every night. Right. And the last, and again, the last episode, Jennifer dropped the bombshell about seeing uh, Michael and uh, Taylor together at Kyle's. That's right. And so now she's kind of planted the seed that Michael is cheating. Right. Um, and, yet, and yet Megan is patient. She does not dive to any conclusions. No, but she is kind of checking up on him because, you know, she, she's like, where were you last night? And he's like, I was working late. And she's like, well, I called the hospital to, you know, just say hi and see how you were doing. And they said you weren't working. And he's able to, like, cover for it because I guess he was like, well, that's because I was in ER doing emergency surgery. I was like, I don't know. You could get surgery done in, in the ER, but okay. Um <laughs> I'm not a doctor. What do I know? <laughs> so so it was just kind of like this, you know, and then she's like, oh, okay, Michael, I'm sorry I doubted you. Um, and then in comes Peter. And, and Michael is like, oh, you look terrible. What can yeah. I do for you? You're totally playing the worried uh, partner there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I just want to say now that Michael and Peter are standing next to each other, um, it's really like a tale of two very different haircuts. Peter is practically in mullet mode. Yes. And Michael has the most unflattering Caesar I can remember. Well, it's um, like he has that Caesar that suddenly, like, it's growing out. And he's not, and they're, I don't know. It's like the Caesar And they're, like, really not doing anything to, yeah. to kind of zhuzh it in the transition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember when that Caesar came up, I guess, at the be was at the beginning of the season. 
when it he might have been last year when he had like that full-on Caesar and we we talked yeah. about it and I was just like that is, and I just was like looking at it going why did we think that was a good idea for men's haircuts back then because it just wasn't I don't know I at one point well I had a big jufro during most of my teen years <laughs> and then and then it was during uh, my junior year, which would have been like 95, 96, uh, which is about a year after Clooney started the trend. Um, I did, I went to like a different place to get my hair cut and, and they did the Caesar cut. And I remember thinking like, this isn't totally flattering, but a lot of people kept telling me it was a really good looking haircut. And I'm like, well, that's just cause you're used to the Jufro, but thanks, I'll take it. So yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really of the mind that um, it's not a great haircut. And it's like one of the stupidest fads in, in like, like recent. And I kind of forgot that Clooney had the haircut. And I know. It didn't, it didn't even look good on Clooney. No. No, it didn't. It just it just looked like, like he just got out of bed. Yeah. Anyway. You know, I could technically have a Jufro. Like right now? Or you could grow one out? No, I mean, I could have one, like, because I've just found out I'm oh, oh, Is that oh, exciting? So, so share, share your news. I don't think our, our blockheads have uh, heard. No, I, di- I did the 23 in May, um, and I got my results back today. And, and, I, and I wasn't very, like, I, I was saying to my fam before you know before I check my results I was like you know how much do you want to bet I'm going to be disappointed because I pretty much know my family's background and you know and like my my uh my husband and my daughter already did theirs like a couple years ago and there were some like kind of surprises in there for them that like a lot of surprises actually um you know on my husband's side and I was kind of like and it was cool and I was like oh wow maybe I should do it because I really didn't want to do it because I was like yeah I know what I am like there's no doubt you know and and then I was kind of like well maybe like you know maybe maybe no not really much of a surprise but I am slightly less than one percent Jewish (laughs) there you go welcome to the tribe and and I'm also five percent Iranian that is a mix which I thought was kind of like, I mean, and that's a pretty big percentage, you know? Um, but, yeah. but other than that, there was like real, there were really like no shockers. Well, I think that's cool that you did it. I keep thinking that would be cool and then forgetting to do it. So maybe one day for me, but yeah, yeah, I nice guess, I guess. But I mean, I just kind of was like looking at it. I was like, Oh look, no surprises there. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it was, but I, but the, but I'm actually more Iranian than Greek, which I was really surprised about because I have my great grandmother's marriage certificate that says that she was born in Athens. Mm, And you are Karen Greco. I am Karen. Well, the Greco part comes from Italy and it, because it comes from the side of Italy that it like faces Greece or something like that. So apparently there was a lot of like movement between during the Greco-Roman period, there was a lot of movement between the two countries. Oh. And and Greco is actually like being a Smith or a Jones in Italy. Like it, it is the there. most common name in Italy. So, so like I was, but I was expecting more Greek, but I'm actually more Iranian than Greek. Wow. Which I thought was really, yeah, like, which was like really weird. And so, but I'm 74% Italian, of course. And then 17% um, 
uh, it's it's Swedish, but they called it. I think they might have called it something else that was a little bit more collective of the whole of all those countries up all the Nordic countries up there. Hmm. But yeah, but well, then I, yeah, Iranian and Jewish. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I can't say. It. How do you say it again? That type the Jewish I am. I, I, Ashkenazi. Ashkenazi. Yes, Ashkenazi. So well, I want a bar mitzvah. I mean, that, there you are. <laughs> I want a bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should have one. Throw me, somebody throw me a bar mitzvah. I Wait, want one. They're fun. Done social distancing whenever that day might come, and then you should totally <laughs> throw yourself a bar mitzvah. I know, because they're super fun. <laughs> Anytime I've gone to one, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> they really are. All right. If we have kids, I don't even know how we'll raise them. But if we don't raise them Jewish, I still want them to have a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. I think you have to, because if you don't, that will be so not fair. That's how I feel, too. I mean, just let them, just give them the party. Yeah, I mean, let's just create our own good memories. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They're so over the top, those parties. They can be. You like, may have been to more over the top ones than I, but yes. Like, yeah, like the parents were. I remember um, the first one I went to, the, it was like the my friend's mom rented out the New England Health and Racket Club. And wow. so it was like, I don't know, 20 of us. I, I don't know. How old are you when you get? It's 13, right? It's about 13. Yeah. yeah like, so there are like 20 of us, like 13 year olds, like, running around this New England Health and Racket Club and playing racquetball and like, you know, using the gym equipment and just basically like being absolute like nuts. And there was nobody else there. It was just us. It was fantastic. It was it was so much fun. And then I went to another one recently with um, friends of mine's daughter uh, had hers. And it wasn't that, but it, they, it was like in this beautiful old um, armory and they had it all set up like Alice in Wonderland and they work with a party oh, planner wow. and the food was delicious and the decor was gorgeous and they had these like crazy windy tables through the whole thing. Like it was really cool. It was really, really cool. Yeah. The ones I went to are almost all at hotels in like hotel ballrooms, including mine. Um, and they were like, you know, there were lots of decorations and typically they all had like DJs and balloons and, you know, like centerpieces on the tables. But that sounds like even a bit further extra. Oh, yeah. This was like, it was like themed, you know, yeah. like because it had that Alice in Wonderland theme. And so it was yeah. like, you know, they had like the picture station. I think they had like, like, um, like the giant mushroom that you could sit on to get the pictures up. like it was really like done and then it was like open bar all night and it, they had valet parking I mean it was like super super oh nice. yeah that's a real that's a, a whole scene yeah we did yeah that. it really I was like I was like holy shit and I didn't want to be like how much did you guys have to because it was like it was like a wedding yeah do you know what I, like it was something yeah. like I would have expected at like a wedding you know, not at not at a bar mitzvah. It was really kind of wild, but it was very it was very fun. And I was like, well, I'm glad I gave her a good gift because this was a really nice party. <laughs> so yeah, so anytime I've been to a bar mitzvah, they've been completely over the top and so much fun. They really are so much fun. Yeah, they they truly are. 
yeah. So, so all right, back to the I block. Like, back to back to back to Melrose. So where are we? Okay. Um, so we were talking about good memories, and Peter has no memories of what he has just been accused of. But it's terrible, terrible what he did. Um, and so basically, he uh, Peter uh, goes into his office. Michael barges in. And Peter confides in Michael about having this blackout. And he basically sort of, you know, Michael is trying to kind of, I don't know, I guess, like, start the process of convincing him that there's something, meant, you know, physically wrong with him. And then Michael is just like, oh, wait, you know what? I've been drinking two scotches after, I've been drinking more than one scotch after work. I think I'm drinking till I blackout. He's had two drinks. I know. I'm like, you're a lightweight. He's like, yeah, if like, you think this is have, doing it. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I'm going to have to ha stop having the second scotch and everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, so basically, he's, he's basically kicking the booze habit. Allison should take a lesson from Peter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cautionary tale. Yeah. So meanwhile, Michael and, uh, Michael and Taylor meet up again, but they're at Shooter's. And and he basically is like, we need to do it again. Right, because Peter now is convinced that whatever he's doing bad and blacking out for, it's the result of the drinking. So right. we need him to not drink, but still do it. So he ha has to be worried that it is this rage epilepsy. Yeah, and once again, and, we have Taylor like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Taylor's like, well, I don't want to because Peter's already been treating me better. And then Michael's like, well, is he still doing the best thing with you? And she's like, well, a little, which we just have to take her word for it because we haven't seen any more of that. Um, so, yeah, she gives in to Michael and, and, and just like, okay, we'll do it again. Yeah, and then she's like, oh, okay. Um, and then, of course, at this particular moment, Megan walks in for some reason and she sees them. Together. It actually looks like she's just been standing by the bar the whole time watching them from across shooters. Yeah. Again, for what reason and how did you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she sort of sees as like Taylor like reaches over and grabs Michael's arm. So that it looks like they have physical con like more physical mm -hmm. contact than, than what was actually going on. And so, you know, there you go. Yeah. So Taylor goes back to her place. Oh, it was um, the point where Michael said something, like, ridiculous, where, you know, he was like, he'll have you playing Beth and the Vienna Boys Choir or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he dropped someone else's name, too. It was, like, the random, it was, like, the most random trifecta of I think it was Judy Garland. Was it Judy? Maybe because it was. Remember, Maybe because it I remember was, being, yeah. like, oh, my God, the writer that did this one must have been really gay. Yeah. <laughs> how do you put all that together? <laughs> yeah. Judy Garland and the Vienna Boys Choir. I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. So, um, so yeah, I was like, yeah, that was definitely a gay writer. No, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so then we're at Peter's again. Yeah. And so she's supposed to spike as OJ. Um, yes. Taylor's but, supposed to spike as OJ, but I guess she seems like she doesn't really want to do it. Yeah, and it turns out that Michael has already gone ahead and done so. Yeah, yeah. And he's, I get, once again, he's, like, creeping at the back door. Yeah, and comes right in, yeah. <laughs> Walks right in. And he's basically, and Michael is basically like, yeah, I spiked it because I knew you weren't going to do it. And so, basically, then you hear the thud upstairs, and Peter has passed out. 
And um, the next time we see Peter, it's at a playground the next morning. Yeah, we come back from commercial and it's morning and, and daylight. And Peter wakes up with these like young kids at a playground <laughs> looking down at him. Yeah, I know. They're like, they're like, mister, are you dad? Yeah. <laughs> and then his car is like up on a on a on like a, on the curb and like you know and he's like and he is just like what the fuck happened to me um and he's obviously very confused yeah this is now very alarming and yeah. and he thought he figured out what was wrong with him and obviously it's not or so he thinks so yeah he's a, he's worried yeah so that's when he goes back to the office rather than going home and once again, Michael's like, wow, you look even worse than the other day. And once again, goes to Michael, confides what's going on. And Michael. Yeah, is- he confides in Michael. And so this is another one of those like really like poor line delivery slip ups because Peter's like recounting what he knows of the events of the night. And he talks about how we woke up near these neighborhood kids at a playground. And he says, neighborhood. Neighborhood. <laughs> That's kind of quick. But enough for us to catch it. We've rounded a few times. The neighborhood kids. Like, yeah. you know, work on your diction. Or do everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they were run out of time. Um, and so basically, you know, Michael runs a battery of tests on him and comes back with the conclusion. And I don't know how he faked it, but there you go. I know. Peter has rage epilepsy. Yeah, and he brings him an EEG, and it's like, but how did you concoct this? I know. I mean, I'm, gu- I'm guessing he, like, took the records from the other dude. I don't know. Probably. It seems to me like there are holes that a, a medical professional could poke in here, but okay, fine. Right. Um, and Peter believes it. And then, I guess back at the office, there's one little scene between Megan and and Michael um, and uh, I don't know she ends up throwing the vase at the door after yeah she, well, she's know, like kind of laying it on and reminding Michael that she loves him and trusts him and says and we're still on for dinner tonight and of course Michael has to be at Peter's again to continue this facade so um, he goes oh oh wait you know I can't tonight and like now she's positive that he's lying and lying to be with Taylor um, so after he leaves, she takes a vase of flowers and throws it at the closed door behind him. Right. So now Megan so, doubts Michael. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so I guess I guess that'll carry us into uh, season season five between my, Megan and six. 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 Sorry. We're six. almost out of season five. Ooh. Gosh. Getting tired. Okay. Um. Final storylines. Right. Yeah. It's just uh, Amanda and Kyle and... Put some Craig and Sid. Yeah. Right. So one of, like, I think we're seeing now a a thesis for the season is the hardening of Amanda. Mm, I think that's a good point. And they, I think they really escalate that um, in this episode. But before that... We get to see Amanda meet um, D&D's new efficiency consultant, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> Love that that's her job. <laughs> um, so guess what? Amanda is pissed. 
Yeah, she didn't want Sid to uh, to to be the efficiency expert. <laughs> no, no, Amanda hates it and can't believe that they didn't that they you know like resolved the lawsuit, but now all of a sudden now Sid is an employee at D and D and doesn't seem like there's really anything she can do about it. At least there's nothing she is doing about it. But I'll say this: the next scene we see, Sid might actually be very good at her job. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. Because I guess we, we have a, a staff meeting um, where everybody is going to be talking about Kyle's new jazz club. Yeah, and, the upstairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and she's sort of talking about what is it, maximum push. You know, lots of money. You know, money's no object. Spare no expense. She wants ads in the best magazines. This is going to be like the hottest club to open in L.A. all year, right? And so this is when Sid pipes up as the efficiency expert. And she's like, I know Kyle doesn't have two nickels to rub together, so who's paying for all this? Yeah, she's like, I don't see how this is cost-effective. Yeah. <laughs> and based on what we're seeing, she's right. Right, right. Well, I mean, I guess it's because Amanda put her money into the club, but she was she's supposed to be the silent partner nobody's supposed to know. Um, so, So now Sid's onto it. Sid is onto it. And it's also great because Sid and Amanda hate each other. And Sid is not really feeling Kyle right now either. So she can kind of lay right into them. Yeah, it's really kind of great. Um, but not only is poor Amanda dealing with Sid, she also has to deal with Kyle, whom she saw, um, you know, sort of blindsided with the fact that Jennifer was staying in his apartment and she thinks that there's something going on still between Kyle and Jennifer, even though Kyle tried to put the moves on her at the on the beach at the Dominican Republic. Right. And he's very quick to say, I know you're surprised to see Jennifer was there, but I promise you nothing is going on between us. In fact, she should move into Nick's old apartment. And Amanda's like, go after yourself. If you can give me, you know, safety deposit and first and last month's rent, fine. Jennifer can move there, but but we're done. Right, right. She's like, I want to sign lease and all that money. Yep. <laughs> I was like, go, bitch, go. Yeah, and so uh, then we get another scene of Sid talking to Craig at work in the big, um, like, the fishbowl office. Mm. And, um, and she's like, I think that that Amanda is using Kyle's as a slush fund. Um, she's like, I think she's laundering money into his club and Craig's like not really taking her seriously, but just saying like how into her that he is. Um, and then the two of them kiss. And I think Sid says to Craig like, oh, don't do this. And he's like, no, I, I want to do it here. And of course, right when they kiss, Amanda walks right by the office and sees them. And that's even better because Sid sees that Amanda sees them. And it just makes her that much happier. Yeah, yeah. So Sid's in And it makes this. Amanda that much more pissed off. Yeah. I wrote down the I wrote down in my notes, I want Sid to win. Yeah. <laughs> it's a messy game. I want Sid to win. I do too, because poor Sid never wins. No, that's it. And she's right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is right. And Amanda's you know, hiding for something. All for all we're talking about, like, you know. Amanda always plays the adult and poor Amanda and blah, blah, blah. Like Amanda is using Kyle's as a way to hide her money, especially when the company to which she has a fiduciary responsibility, it was potentially going under. So right. like, again, 
See, it's not wrong. Right. So then we're at Kyle's, where they're auditioning these jazz musicians, and Amanda just hates all of them. Yeah, Amanda's like, just in a bad mood. She's Ben every way she can. Yeah, yeah, she's in a bad mood, hates them all, and then, and, and Kyle's like, well, I mean, you know, I'm the music fan, so really, I can <laughs> And that was probably the worst thing to say to Amanda, you know, um, but she was like, whatever, do what you want. Yeah, he calls her out on all of her attitude and and he's like, look, I don't know what's keeping you like, we should be kissing, we should have already made love. And that's when she's like, well, I'm not ready to give up my vow of celibacy for you, <laughs> um, in case we forgot that she had taken one. Um, and he says that she's afraid to lose control. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, fine. Then kiss me. So they kiss. And she She won't let on that, like, she feels anything. And then she, like, walks out. And once she's outside of Kyle's, leans against the the brick wall, whatever it is, um, and is, like, panting. He has so taken her breath away. (laughs) Because, yeah, yeah, actually, she did almost lose control. And it was so hard to keep it because, I mean, you know, come on now. This is Kyle. Yeah, yeah. And so then we're at Kyle's opening. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like this, this shit happened fast. Like the last gonna, time we saw, yeah, really the last time we saw the club, it was like under construction. Yeah, and they'd only like brainstormed buying it two days before that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so it's it's all happening very fast. But now the club is I guess, open. I guess Kyle's restaurant also came about real quick, and that's from afar. Good. So yeah. so that's the speed. Yeah. So they're really good at opening things, I guess. Um. And that's when we see Jake, like Kyle is like, Jake is there and, you know, and, and he's like, I don't know, I guess he's like giving Kyle his stamp of approval. Yeah. It's almost like passing the torch, which is like the only reason they even bothered having Jake here. So this is the Allison thing. Um, Kyle does mention, or he either asks about Allison or, or says, I heard she wasn't feeling well. Jake says, yeah, she just wasn't feeling well right now. So she, couldn't make it. Then that, that's basically it, but her absence is acknowledged. Gotcha. Uh, again, it would be great if we could have seen Jake either see her drunk or hungover or something to react to in the apartment, but the writers don't care enough. There's also a lot happening at this opening. In addition to Jake being there, Sam and Billy are there at the bar, knowing that any minute the police are supposedly apprehending Jim. They don't yeah. know that that's not going to happen. And also, this is the one time we see Jennifer, who is now bartending at Kyle's upstairs. Which, uh, we aren't the only ones who didn't know. No, including some people that are partial owners. Yeah, <laughs> like Amanda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who walks in in this really great all-white outfit. Yeah, it's um, like, you know, they've been dressing Amanda in a lot of, like, pantsuits and, and business suits, uh, power suits, I should say. All season long. And here she shows up with like, you know, a white tank top and and white pants to remind us that if we hadn't known, didn't remember, yes, she has breasts. And here they are. Yeah. I mean, they're like, I mean, it looked great. She looked great. I thought I was like, that is an outfit and a half. Very few people could get away with pulling this off. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that is an outfit and a half. And Heather Locklear looks good in it. Um, But, you know, she walks in and um, she sees the band and she's really happy with it. And like everything looks really good. And she like compliments Kyle on what he's done. And then she like turns around. Yeah. And she sees Jennifer at the bar. And it's like, 
oh my god, her mood just like shum, 180. She's not happy and, about that. Yeah. And Jennifer sees it all and loves it. Yeah. Yeah. And Again, like uh like I've said, Jennifer is kind of the new Sid. Amanda and Sid hate each other, and Amanda and Jennifer hate each other too. But let's not leave out Sid. She and Craig are also there. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess she sees Amanda having an issue with Jennifer too, right? With she sees like the friction with Kyle, and then also I think sees the the, the her reaction to Jennifer. Right, right, and she like basically taunts Amanda. It's a good scene. It's just shy of being a great scene because it does feel like a little wedged in. Um, <laughs> like it's great that this whole episode is Sid having the upper hand against Amanda, but I just feel like it's not quite as fruitful as it could have been. And like, it's a little quick for Sid to catch on to like Amanda maybe losing her grip. I think the quote she says is the lioness is losing her teeth. Yes, um, I believe it was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it becomes uh, like this little game of top that uh, where Amanda's like, you know, He'll never, Craig will never be in my bed again, and that's the only reason why he's in yours. I could get him anytime I want him. And then she goes on the dance floor and starts dancing with Craig, and he's like, no matter what, I still pick Sid over you. But Sid doesn't really catch on to Craig not giving in to Amanda, so Sid walks out. Yeah. So then Craig's walk off, walks off after Sid, and as Craig leaves, Amanda sort of locks eyes with Kyle, and we just sort of focus on the existing tension between the two of them. Correct. It's a very unique way for them to end an episode. I don't think they've typically ended like that. We typically have very, like, plot-heavy cliffhangers, and this is very atmospheric. It's very jazzy because of the nightclub. It's a unique look, and it's a unique feel for, I think, an episode to end. And again, I think it ties into that whole thing about, like, uh, we're, we're trying to take Amanda into a different direction. Or we've right. taken Amanda into a different direction. How can she be brought back? Mm. Which right. is just something to keep in mind as we go into the finale next week. So, all in all, you know, with the, with the few duds that we talked about, I thought it was a pretty good episode. Yeah, I thought so too. And I love the idea of, you know, Sid being not just a consultant, but the efficiency expert. Yeah, that was kind of perfect. And that she's good at it. Who knew? And I knew. I knew. I know. I'm you knew. You knew. Um, so, yeah, next week, finale. Grand finale. Yeah, yeah. Join us back here on the block next week. Uh, we will go over what I know and what Karen is soon to find out is a pretty packed finale. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how they're wrapped yes. this thing and, up. And special guest star Alyssa Moore will be joining us again for that. Woohoo! Um, so, so please have a good, safe, enjoyable week uh, <laughs> as much as one can as we uh, celebrate our anniversary of uh, COVID podcasting. Um, and we look forward to going back to the block with you for the finale. Right. In the meantime, we're going to 
we're gonna go to the boulevard now and we've got yes. some other shit to talk about over there talking about some now stuff no more jufros of the past now no stuff. now stuff so we'll see you guys over there bye <laughs>